What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. It is the opening day of training camp 2022. The players are all reporting today, and they'll hit the practice field for the first time tomorrow after today's conditioning drills. I am joined by Super Bowl champion partner Jeff Fiegels and Matt Seatack of Giants.com. No phone number yet, folks. We are still not live on the program. But as always, you can find a taped uh, program, uh, an archive of this show, and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Fellas, great to see you. It is a big day around the facility. (laughs) Yes, it's about time. Matt, Matt, you are you are experiencing the real Paul Dottino the day that training camp starts, and that is that is a treat for you. you so know, congratulations. Thank you. You know, it's almost three years exactly to the day that I first started here at the Giants, and this is my first time on this side of the microphone for BBK. Mm-hmm. So you have operated well, the board for us many occasions. Yes, no so doubt. It's, it's good to be on this side. Well, I, t- I tell you what, man, this is like New Year's Day for me. <laughs> Okay, it really because, is for you because look, free agency's cool, the draft is cool, minicamp is cool, but once the players report and actually get their bodies on the field at the end of July, I know the season is here. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like for the Kentucky Derby when they do the uh, the horn call up and mm-hmm. they get the horses at the gate. <laughs> I'm just ready to go. Well, you're, you're like one of those horses that are in a trailer pulling up to the derby. That's what you are right now. You just cannot wait to get out of the trailer and then hope that there's nobody there and you just take off. Exactly. There you go. Right? Uh, you're right. You're right. Right to the track and just all the way around. All right, fellas. Well, let's talk. We've got, we've got about an hour here to talk about Giants football. And obviously, the Giants are trying to tweak a couple of things. As they open up training camp, they will hit the field tomorrow again for their first practice. It'll be helmets, shirts, and shorts only. They won't have any fully padded practices this week until next week begins. It's all part of the CBA, which, of course, uh, Jeff can tell you all about the different machinations of that over the years. (laughs) Well, it's a lot easier now than it was. It has changed so much. I mean, obviously... Uh, it's a lot lighter than it used to be, but we won't get into that right now. But we do want to tell you the Giants uh, have made a handful of roster moves today. There were two guys in particular, and Matt, I'll, I'll let you uh, talk about the two names who I think most NFL people will at least have some reference for in terms of Andrew Adams and Nick Williams. They are now coming into Big Blue. Yes, so let's start with Adams. Um, For Giants fans, that's probably a familiar name because he did spend a couple of seasons with us to start his career, the 2016 and 2017 seasons. He played in 30 games, 13 starts in his rookie year back in 2016, and over the last four years has spent time with a few teams, but primarily with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he won a Super Bowl ring. So he returns to the Giants now, adds to the safety position here, He's going to battle for time on defense and will likely be a key contributor on special teams as well. And then the second player, the second big name player is Nick Williams, a defense lineman who has spent 
he's been around the league for I think it's seven years now, seven or eight. But spent the last couple of seasons with the Detroit Lions, where last year he started all 17 games for the Lions. And his best season was back in 2019 with the Chicago Bears, where he actually registered six sacks for the Bears defense. So he will uh, likely add to the interior defensive line or defensive line rotation and give some of the, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, uh, some competition and a little breathing time on the field this season. All right, well, let's talk about these two players. We'll go in reverse. We'll start with Williams, uh, listing him at 6'4", 310 pounds. Uh, originally drafted by the Steelers in the seventh round of the uh, 2013 draft, has played with Kansas City, Miami, Chicago, and Detroit. Now, Matt, you just mentioned the year with Chicago. He's primarily known as a push-the-front-of-the-pocket defensive tackle. He is not a plugger. He is not a big run stopper. That's not what this guy does. And in 2019, I had six sacks and 42 tackles to go with nine quarterback hits. Uh, he played that entire season, started five games. Now, that was the only significant production of his career. The last two years uh, that he's been with Detroit combined for only a sack and a half over two seasons. So obviously, part of that, defensive line, you know, not really working well with each other. We know that Detroit Lions haven't had a good pass rush really for quite a long time. Not a great defense. Uh, so how much of that rubbed off on him? I don't know. But we do know that at one point, three years ago, he did show some pass rush ability with the Bears. Jeff, as you see this Giants defensive line, what role do you think he can carve out? Well, I think the Giants are, you know, they're pretty set with their three-man starting defensive line. Um, I mean, Jahard Ward is going to be there. I think you got De Big Dex and Leonard Williams. So, you know, those are your guys inside. And then I think that, you know, as every team going into the season, and you're looking for depth. I think Nick is going to be a guy where that's going to be – he's going to challenge to make the make the team, but that's what it's going to be at. It's going to be a rotational – player he's certainly not going to be a starter but he's got some experience there so and again it could be some situational stuff for him like you said Paul he's not a guy that's ever had you know more than I don't know how many sacks he's had in his career but it's not a lot he's just more of a push to pocket pressure guy he gets more pressure than he does anything so I see that's kind of where he's going to go and, and remember you can never have enough depth at any position in the National Football League especially starting the first day of training camp because you never know what's going to happen with the injuries you never know what's going to happen with guys so you want to be able to bolster your your depth wherever you can. Now, here's the thing that I scratch my head because I know that Joe Shane and the administration here is having a tough time because they don't have a lot of money. You know this, Paul. And going into training camp, you've got to always set aside some cash just in case there are certain things that happen. So I think that, you know, in the meantime, uh, Joe Shane and, and his group is doing a nice job just signing some of these guys. And obviously it's probably for minimum money and because they don't have a lot of it. So we'll see uh, how this continues. And, and Paul and Matt, as you guys know, going into the season, to preseason like this, there's always roster moves every single day. We're crossing out and adding new names to the rosters left and right. So it's going to be – I mean, Paul sent me a roster two days ago. I looked at it. It was beautifully done. All had Throw it away. Uh, I know. It's gone. It's going to be – send me another one, Paul, will you please? But um, but back to, to Williams. I think he's a guy that's going gonna, gonna to have to uh, compete for some time, and we'll see what happens. Matt, some thoughts on the depth chart at that interior defensive line position. Yeah, so one thing looking at Williams the last two years with the Lions is he started 30 of the 31 games he played for Detroit. Coming to the Giants, assuming that he does make the team, he likely is not going to be in the starting lineup barring injuries to the guys ahead of him on the depth chart. So I do think having him come in a reserve role will be beneficial for Williams. He won't be expected to come in and you know get those six sacks that he got for the Bears a couple of years ago the key pass rushers for the Giants, to the surprise of no one, are going to be Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence on the inside, and Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau on the outside. So Williams is going to come in. He's going to compete for playing time for sure in the interior, but he's not going to have necessarily the same expectations that he probably had with the, that the Lions had for him the last couple of seasons because he's going to be behind those top guys on the depth chart. Two veterans who will battle for reserve snaps. David Moa, who was here and played a little bit last season, kind of a cameo. And Justin Ellis, who came over from the Ravens. Now, remember, he is a Wink Martindale guy. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and and Jelly Ellis, as they call him, uh, he's a big dude. He he's a plugger. He's a run stopper. He is not a push the pocket guy. So he and Williams do not play the same position in that regard. They have different responsibilities. But there are two other guys here, and I know Matt, you've been here all spring and you've seen some of the drills. Uh, fifth round pick DJ Davidson. And also an undrafted rookie free agent, Christopher Hinton, the son of the former All-Pro offensive tackle. Both of those two young guys are also in camp. I don't know exactly what the coaching staff thinks of both of them right now, whether or not Hinton makes the team or he's a practice squad guy. Davidson probably has a much better chance of making the team than Hinton does. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But does Davidson even carve out a role, or is he kind of a redshirt guy? Um, I think he'll get some playing time this year i mean it's definitely going to be tough for him to i would say earn a lot of playing time again barring injuries just because he was a fifth round pick and there are a lot of way more experienced guys ahead of him on the depth chart but watching him throughout spring practices you know on the field during otas he did look very spry and of course being i get the quote-unquote youngin of the group at 22 22 years old he's still got a ton of tread left on the tire so I do think he Davidson could earn some playing time. It might honestly primarily be on special teams, at least to start. I mean, that is where a lot of rookies in the later rounds the, from the draft, that is where they tend to see their playing time begin in the NFL. But it would not surprise me at all to see Davidson hit the field on defense in Wink Martindale's system maybe, I don't know, a couple weeks into the season, really. All right, let's talk about Andrew Adams now, a mm-hmm. guy who Giants fans are very familiar with. During the course of his six-year NFL career, this would be year number seven, he's had two years where he was primarily a starter. As a rookie with the Giants in 2016 when he came out of the UConn as an undrafted rookie free agent. And then in 2019, he was the starting strong safety for the Bucs in his second season with Tampa. Now, Jeff, it's going to light your face up because Mm -hmm. you know what a special teams guy Mm -hmm. he had been when he was here with the Giants. And by the way, he's played a ton of special team snaps for the Bucs too. Well, you know, we mentioned, and Matt, it it hit the nail on the head with these young guys coming in. You know, this is where they're going to get their start on special teams unless you're the, you know, the fifth, sixth pick in the draft or something like that. You know, I mean, it's these guys have to learn. So that's what, that's what Adams did. He, he basically came in here as an undrafted free agent, made the team and ended up being a starter for 13 games that year um, in 2017. Um, he played primarily a lot of unspecial teams and that's where he made his money. And so it just goes to show you how valuable if you're a special teams guy that you can't be to a team because they'll hold on to you because they need to. Now uh, the Giants drafted Dane Belton out of Iowa in the fourth round, but you know, he's a rookie. So, and they moved cornerback Jaron Williams to safety in the spring. So, you know, there's a little bit of a depth problem at that safety position. Obviously, you've got Xavier McKinney and Julian Love there, but you know, the fact is, is that he has experience. He's a, he's obviously a veteran, and so I think this is a great signing by Joe Shane. If I look at these two guys, as far as who I have maybe making the team one over the other, I would probably have Andrew Adams making it before Williams because I feel like he can contribute more on special teams. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Well, Jared Williams also showed he could play special teams last year when he was he with, sure did you know with, yeah. with last year's administration, and and to be honest with you, Jeff, the other safety in this mix on the depth chart, and I'll let you address this one, Matt, is Joseph Corker, uh, the undrafted rookie free agent out of Kentucky, who actually had a nice spring. Yeah, Yusuf Corker looked great during OTAs. Uh, so I remember right after the Giants signed him as an undrafted free agent. Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl, who's been a guest on the show several times over the years, 
raved about Yusef Corker and almost guaranteed that he would end up making the Giants roster. He seems to be the the player on the depth chart right now that not many people are talking about, but he could very well, if, assuming he plays well, you know, during training camp, during the preseason, he could easily carve a spot on the, not only on the roster, but actually earn some playing time. Because as Paul, as you mentioned, the depth at safety isn't that deep right now on, on the Giants. Of course, we have Xavier McKinney. He's at the top of the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Julian Love. And then Dane Belton was a mid-round pick this year. Uh, but other than that, and now Andrew Adams, Corker is one of potentially the next top talented play- player at the safety position there. Could easily end up earning some playing time this year, making the team and earning some playing time. Now, I want to go back to special teams for just a second, though, because while Adams can be an insurance policy in the secondary, let's not kid ourselves. The Giants are devoid of very good special teams guys. Some of those fellas, like Keon Crossan, are no longer here. And they were very, very key to the coverage units last year. Jeff, you know, you obviously understand how important those coverage guys are. And Andrew Adams, I remember the second year he was with the Giants, he had six solo special teams coverage tackles, which was second on the team to Nat Berhe. Mm-hmm. All right, he got down there and he made plays nailing guys in one-on-one tackling matchups. Very important facet. And I don't necessarily think a lot of people are even thinking about that right now, but the no. Giants have been stripped <laughs> of a bunch of good special teams players yeah, no, this offseason. No, no one is thinking about that. You know who should be thinking about that? If you look at a New York Giants depth chart, I don't care what, what site you're on or whatever it is, I'm talking about as you as a player. If you're looking on that depth chart and you see your name as the third person behind or even the second, I am thinking... All I'm thinking about is special teams because that is how you're going to – now we are going to beat this till it's like a – I mean, you know what, till the preseason is over because this is what we talk about, right? Because this is how guys make the team. And when you look at guys like C.J. Board, who is a really, really good special teams guy, he's kind of you know one of those guys that he's going to compete for that mix in that wide receiver room, but he's going to be a special teams guy, right? I mean, so you go down this roster and look at a lot of these guys, but – Again, Andrew Adams is somebody that has been in the league, understands it, has played well, and when you look at the depth and, and who the starters are in front of him, he's going to have that's all he should be thinking about. I'm going to come in here and do my stuff on special teams because I am a depth player, right? Don't you think, Paul? This is no question. Matt, this is where he he's not going to start over McKinney. He's not going to start over no, Julian no, Love. No. So he's going to come in here even though he's got a Super Bowl ring and he's been in the league for coming on 7 years, his prime focus. And by the way, you should look at that if you're a younger guy and and understand that this is hey look at this guy he started games but you know he has to carve out a spot in special teams and you know really when we go down if we wanted to break down the roster offense and defensively there's going to be five or six guys in this roster that are your primary special teams core special teams guys well, and they're and they're good backups i'm going to give you the giants top half a dozen special teams coverage guys last year and you'll understand why this is important mm-hmm. keon crossland had 11 total special teams tackles last year but he's not here anymore he was the number one guy yeah. on coverage all right cam brown was second he and julian love had nine combined special teams tackles last year and cam brown is not a lock to make the roster he's a bubble guy i think it's fair to say well, sure, because you okay. know what? He, he's going to be challenged by some of these other guys right. that are being brought in. Yep. Guess what? Elijah Penny, not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Had nine combined special teams tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent Harris had five. Trent Harris, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. He, these guys are all gone. Now, Gary Brightwell, bubble guy, eight combined special teams tackles last year. He's He's... A bubble guy. We, we don't know what that running back depth chart's going to be. And Colin Gillespie, fullback, gone. Now, he only had four combined special teams tackles, but we know he was one of the leaders on that group. So think about the crop of guys who have walked out the door during the course of this offseason. That unit has taken some hits. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to go and just replace those guys, what is there's one, two, three, four, five. Well, Brown is still here. Uh, Love is still here. Um... But, you know, when you go down and look at some of these guys. So let, I'll tell you what. Let, let's try to let, – I'm going to go – You want to? Let me just say this, uh, yeah. Jeff. Julian Love, who did have 10 combined special teams mm-hmm. tackles last year, if he's going to be your full-time starting free safety, yeah. do you really want him on special teams? Well, probably not. I think he may, he may be able to play – yeah, 
yeah, I mean, listen, starters play, right? I mean, those guys are thoroughbreds. They run all over the place. The problem with when a defensive player is on a special teams on a fourth down punt and runs down 60 yards on a, on a punt, they got to turn around and now cover the next play. So that, that's, that, <laughs> that can, that can get, get you tired a little bit. But, you know, if you go down this roster and look at guys like C.J. Ward, okay, um, Richie James is another guy that's a special you teamer, right? C.J. Ward. Pardon me? I thought you said Ward. C.J. Oh, Ward. I, I probably did. C.J. Ward. <laughs> C.J. Ward. Um, by the way, he's a bubble guy too. Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wondell Robinson is obviously he's not he's not going to be a core special teams guy, but he is a returner. Um, I'm going down through here. This is just the offensive guys, okay? Um, Gary Brightwall, you look at that running back room. You know, he's third on the depth chart. I think he's got a pretty good chance of being here. I think he is a good special team. That's what, remember, Kim coming out of college was a really good special teams player. Um, but most of the defense, when you look at the backup position, now we're talking about guys that you're going to look at. Mike and McFadden is probably somebody who's going to be. And Darren Beavers, these are core special teamers. Well, Flott, yep, right? Rodarius yep. Williams. Yep. These guys, Dane man. Belton. Dane yeah. Belton will be a special teams the guru. The door to the roster is mm-hmm. wide open on special teams for yes. all these guys. Yes. And that, and you know what? That is something that's, if I'm, if I'm T-Mac, and I'm in my first special teams meeting tonight. That would be the first thing. In fact, I might even call him and, and have him come, have me come in there and talk to these guys tonight. Because I want to let them understand and let them know, if you're a guy that has not been on this team before, or is even maybe was here last year, listen to me carefully. <laughs> you go home tonight and you take your special teams book that you're getting here today. You're so privileged to get the first meeting you're going to be in is a special teams meeting. Take something out of that. Take that, that, that. Well, there's no more playbooks anymore, Matt. Everything's digitally. Take your iPad, whatever you want to call it, and go home and study the crap out of that thing because I want you to understand that if your name is second or third on the depth chart, you're not playing. You're not starting. You're going to start on special teams, and that's how you're going to make this team. Now, some, you don't have to listen to me. Don't listen to me. But in about four weeks, five weeks from now, you should have listened to me when you're sitting on the curb waiting for a job, all right? I'm, I'm being harsh now. Well, before <laughs> you get up to speak, we'll have T-Mac pass out your resume with your list <laughs> there you go. Of, of, of NFL stats yeah. that shows 20-plus years of playing in this league and the most games ever. We'll, we'll, we'll have him yeah. do that first. Yeah, we gotta call, we got to basically, because some people are going to be in that room and go, who is this bald, old-looking dude? They're not. They're going to be like, who is this guy? Oh, uh, that's okay. He was a punter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And that's okay. You can, you can look at me and think of me any way you want, but I'm giving you valuable information just to take home with you tonight or today or whenever I got to stand up in front of the team. But I, it's just so important for these guys to understand. And, you know, I, I've been around it long enough to know, and so have you, Paul, that – when these guys, if I can't tell you enough that if they just, if some guys they get chances but they blow it because they don't know what they're doing, right? Because they're they're learning the, their position, which I, I is a very difficult thing to do. But your first priority is you got it. You can't screw up on special teams. I'll never forget this. Um, when when I was most of the places I played at on Saturday night or whatever night it was before the game, there was all what we call special teams callouts. And early in the season, the preseason, most of the guys trying to make the team are all on the special team units, right? Now, the one te- there's one special team unit that stays in- intact the most it is the punt team. It's the most important one because you do not want block kicks. You want to have good coverage because it's a big part of the game, right? So um, that, that group there kind of stayed a little bit tight, but and you had some guys that were your core guys always on there. But my point is, is that there were special teams call-outs. So Saturday night, Right, before, you say the first meeting's at seven o'clock Saturday night. The head coach will get up. He'll introduce, you know, he'll say, "Okay, well, we're going to break into special teams." So then T Mac will get up there, and immediately what we do is like we do callouts. All right, punt team, first punt team, stand up. First punt team stands up. All eleven guys. I beating the punter. I always have to count them. One, two, three, four. That okay? We're good. <laughs> and and it's funny because inevitably even the kickers do it. One, two, three, four, ten, and then you point to yourself as eleven. Like, okay, yeah, eleven. Got everybody there. Okay, uh, second team, punt team, stand up. And then the second team, if there's another punter, he would count them. Silence. Um, yeah, coach, uh, I got 10. You got how many? 10. 10. Hmm. How many is on the field at once, Jeff? 11. We're missing one, coach. We're missing somebody. And then the guys are like, they're looking. You can see they're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's oh, my God. Okay. And all of a sudden, the one guy will go. He'll stand up. And like, oh, and everyone looks at him like, you, you know what? You stupid. You, what are you doing? And then T-Mac would be like, sit down. Who's the third guy? 
And the third guy stands up. He goes, now the third guy, you're the second guy. The second guy, now you're the third guy. Sit down. That's how fast you lose your job. And how easy is it to just, un just study the depth chart? You should know when you're going into the football game, don't you think? <laughs> wow. But that is how important it is. And by the way, that is the simplest that your job will ever get, is to look at your little depth chart. And when you see your name, hmm, let's see, Matt, I'm right, uh, yeah, I'm right here, okay. Circle, highlight. I don't care what you got to do. Put batteries with lights on the sheet. I don't know. Something that spotlights it. I know, there I am. But it's unbelievable that these Highlighter, guys don't maybe? study it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Highlight something, you know? Um, hey, I got an idea. How it, you, I'll, I'll listen for your name. You listen for mine. And if you don't stand up, I'll hit you. You stand up. There you go. Okay? <laughs> but it's, it's just amazing to me that sometimes how these guys do this. That you really have to study it. And then, by the way, you got to know your positions and what you do. Matt, but, you got a few more minutes for us? Yeah. I know, I know you're busy upstairs. Uh, Dan uh, Dan's Solomon. got it. He's Dan, got all that Dan stuff. He's not very busy. busting this poor guy's butt trying to get these transactions out. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, feel, I feel for him, you know? Uh, all right, so you guys know that during the course of, uh, of the last month or so, we've done a lot of things in terms of uh, kind of 22 questions in 22 days about training camp. But, Matt, you didn't have a chance to answer two of the questions because you guys rotate. The rest of you are in the Internet department. You rotate questions that you get to answer. And, Jeff, I'm going to put this out to you and okay. Matt both because right. John and I already talked about these two, but we want different voices here too. Aside from Daniel Jones, who will be the offensive MVP of this team this year? Matt, you go first. Hmm. All right. Uh, I'm going to have to say, and I guess it would be the next most obvious choice, but I think it has to be Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's no. everyone knows that this is a huge year for Saquon, for the Giants, the whole offense. And a lot of their the offense's success is going to ride on Saquon and how he can bounce back. I mean, of course, injuries have sort of derailed his last two seasons. I mean, two years ago, he tore the ACL the start of the season, missed the entire year. Last year, right when he seemed to be getting back into his groove, looking like sort of the, the Saquon of 2018, he steps on a Cowboys defender, his foot sprains his ankle, misses a few games, doesn't really look like his normal self even when he does come back. So he's Saquon seems to be fully healthy now, watching him participate in the spring workouts he looked great he looked like the old Saquon he was a big uh participant in the passing game as well which you know he could have a very a big role in the passing game sort of like what we saw from his rookie season when he caught I think it was 91 receptions mm -hmm. uh so Saquon has got to be other than Daniel Jones he's got to be the next most important player on the offense and the next likely candidate for offensive MVP Jeff mm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, this is, I mean, when you start to break it down, we can just eliminate the top, we can eliminate the five linemen. Nobody gets MVP for linemen, right? So that's an easy one. Just scratch all of them. <laughs> you know? The way things have gone around yeah, here in yeah, the last decade. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Those five guys are among the most valuable people in the state of New Jersey right now. Yeah, well, none of them are going to be MVP, so I can tell you that. Even though they, they may get their accolades, and if, you had to, if, if I had to pick one of them, I would probably go with Andrew Thomas just because he's the most polished of them all. But, you know, then I go to the – I'll tell you who everybody hopes the MVP is. I won't even have to tell you that, right? We, we know how much pressure is on the quarterback this year. We hope that it could be Daniel Jones. But, you know, and then I look at the wide receiver position. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many of those guys can stay on the field to be MVP. I hope they all stay on the field, and, when I, and it's a difficult choice at the end of the season. But, you know, I'll go with Matt, too. I think Saquon has – when you look at what he's got coming into this season, he's on a contract year. He's fully 150% healthy. Uh, that is good news for the team and the fans. And I think that the way that Dabs does this offense – he is going to incorporate him into a lot of effort to get him the football in different situations. Um, you know, I don't know if you if you heard if you read about Matt Breida. He was saying how excited he is to be in this offense because if you're a playmaker, this is the type of offense you want to be in. Saquon Barkley is a playmaker, and this is the type of system he wants to be in. So I will go with Matt. I'm the same. Curious to see what you two guys picked. Well, I don't think there's any doubt for me if you take the quarterback out of the equation. It's mm -hmm. got to be Barkley when you consider yeah. that Dable is going to want to make Barkley the centerpiece, the focal point, the workhorse. Pick pick the name. Mm -hmm. Barkley's the guy. Yeah. The ball, the ball goes through Barkley. You know how in basketball they used to say that the ball would go through the center? It would be Patrick Ewing 
when sure. he was with the Knicks. Well, yep. the ball's going through Barkley. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. Now, does Barkley stay healthy? That, of course, is the billion-dollar question because as a rookie in 2018, and you referred to this earlier, Matt, when he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage that year, 91 catches and 261 rushes. So we're talking over 350 touches that season. The question becomes, really, how healthy does he stay and how many touches can they get? That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's Otherwise, not going to be. I, gonna I be don't. Somebody else. I don't think it's going to be the ninety receiving, the ninety-one catches, because I just feel like there's just too many, too many other guys that are going to get the football. But you know, over under sixty, I think I would take the over. Um, so, so and then I also believe that. See, what's important, you know this, and we talk about this all the time, Paul, is about the running game. This this team has to establish some sort of a running game if they're going to want to win football games, especially close ones, right? So. I, I, he's going to be the cowbell for this team, whether it's his hand handing the football off or giving the ball to him in in the air. So, I'm with you. I think this is, has to be Saquon, and he's going to get the the mother load of of the offense. He really is. All right, let's flip it. How mm. about the defensive MVP on this team? And I'll let you go first this time, Jeff. Well, okay. So this is a this is a harder one um, because I feel like there's a lot of candidates here, and the the only thing I don't know because I have not seen. Wink Martindale run a Giants defense yet. I know how he runs a Ravens defense and the personnel he has there, but, you know, who, aside from, like, on the offense, how we know that Saquon Barkley is going to be highlighted, right? Who is the guy on defense that's going to be highlighted? Now, everybody's Thibodeau. They got everybody saying he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year, right? Okay, so I hope so. I hope so. So he's got a good chance to be maybe the MVP with that type of pedigree if he does that. Um, so I, this is a tough one for me. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go with something. This may surprise you a little bit, but I feel like this guy is ready to break out. I feel like this is a guy that's going to go to the Pro Bowl and I think he's already a leader on this team. And I think he's one that's going to be really, really good. And I'm going to go Xavier McKinney. I think he will be a big, big part of this defense. I think he's going to make some plays and I think he's going to be the most valuable player. Well, I happen to agree with you, but Matt, uh, I had this conversation yesterday. Did you really? Did you really? I went with McKinney, so I'm going to defer and see what you have to say. Oh, wow. So Xavier McKinney definitely would be one of my top choices. Uh, I do think he's going to have a big breakout season. I mean, we already started to see it last year with five interceptions. Uh, I also think Leonard Williams is going to really benefit from the addition of Kayvon Thibodeau. Having Thibodeau and Zizo Jolari on the outside – I think it's really going to free things up on the interior Definitely. for Leo and Dexter. Uh, but my choice is actually going to be Adoree Jackson, who Whoa. following the departure of James Bradbury got pushed up to the top of the depth chart. He's now the Giants' number one corner. And last year he played in, I believe it was 13 games. Yeah, 13 games. And I, while some fans might not realize this, he actually had – I think it was the third highest coverage grade from Pro Football Focus. Now, I know Pro Football Focus stats aren't the end-all, be-all, but it's still impressive nonetheless that he finished, I think it was top three or top four in that coverage grade. He's now going to be asked to be guarding opposing teams' top wide receivers, and especially with how blitz-heavy Wink Martindale's defense is, locking down the opposing receivers is going to be huge for the success of the defense this year. And I think Adoree Jackson is up for the challenge, and I think he's really going to succeed. See, the other guy, and I happen to agree with you that I think those are good good possibilities. They're all guys who deserve consideration and should be in the conversation. I think Blake Martinez also deserves to be in that chat as well because you're talking about a guy who averages 150 tackles a season. And we saw last year, and I know Dalvin Tomlinson was, was a big loss, but to me, the Blake Martinez loss, when he got hurt in week three and was lost for the season, you see how that ripped the guts out of this defense. Well, he's first of all, he's Wink is going to lean on him uh, as, as that, a defensive coordinator on the field, right? I mean, he's got the green dot, you know, all that stuff. But he's such an instinctive player. Um, I, 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 you can't go wrong there because of the numbers he's going to rack up. I just hope that he, he he shows up healthy, you know, because he is coming off that knee injury, which can, you know, sometimes guys, 
some guys just kind of it lingers a little bit, which which inhibits them to play the way that they like to play. So that's my only my only trepidation with him would be that. But I think that he is a guy where I just love to watch him play because if you if you love football like we do, and I know you, Paul, you love that linebacker position, the old kind of guy that was just all over the place, tough, and he is it. I mean, every time you turn around, hey man, there's you know, number fifty four. There's I, number fifty four. Number fifty four. You know what he <laughs> wants from me? I grew up on Harry Carson. But he is a fun guy to watch, and he has such energy, and he's, he's always in the right place, and that's just because of his of his uh, acumen for football, and that's why I think that Wink Martindale is really happy that they were able to re-sign him remember he took a pay cut um to come back here both him and sterling shepherd mm-hmm. so they both have something to prove and you know as a player an ex-player that played a long time i know and went through a couple contracts here and there when you're in your contract year it is all out i gotta do what i gotta do and this is what's fun to watch some of these guys because when i look at this is let me let me listen to these names sterling shepherd right Another contract year. You've got Blake Martinez. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got Daniel Jones. All of these guys. And by the way, when I'm looking at the cap for the following years going forward, remember this team is is just they are so so unhealthy when it comes to the cap. Guys like Dexter Lawrence, who's on a, on his fifth year, Leonard Williams, who's coming in. I know he just signed a new contract, but this is a new organization. I mean, a new staff and everything. So there's a lot of guys that have to prove a lot of things this year, which could be very good for this team. Because I want hungry guys. I want guys that want to win. I want guys that are going to go out there and prepare, that are going to lead by example. And the guys that I just mentioned to you, that is going to make this team better. And this is what you want. It's competition, what every head coach wants. And I think that, you know, I got to I got to play golf with, with Dabs the other day. Remember, Paul, I told you this? Yeah. And the conversations that I had with him was basically I wanted to know what he's looking for. And the first thing he told me is his toughness. I want toughness. I want mental toughness. I want I want guys that are going to be able to, you know, that they have a little boo-boo on their finger, that they're going to be okay. But I want toughness when it's hot, when it's cold, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, I want guys that are good teammates, good character guys that I can kick, that I can trust. And that's the thing you have to do as a new coach. You've got to figure out who these guys are because you don't know any of them. Except for the fact that some of the guys that might have been teammates, you know, down the line, they might have been on the Bills, or they might have been on the Ravens or whatever. They know a little bit about them, but you've got a whole new roster here to try to figure guys out, and that's what training camp's all about. Okay, one thing about the name you listed uh, or names you listed in terms mm-hmm. of contract years, Dexter mm-hmm. Lawrence had his fifth-year option picked up, mm-hmm. so he is under contract for twenty-three. Oh, but the other guys you talked about. Well, no, you know, but okay, Jones, but let's... Jones is up at the end of this year. Barkley's up at the end of this right. year. Okay, we don't know exactly how Sterling Shepard's renegotiation worked out. I'm right. not really sure when he's up now. Well, yeah, I mean, when you, you look at, that? aside from the contract, you just sure. look at the way they have to play, right? But, I mean, Sterling is a guy where you know he's kind of at the end of the rope here. You know what I'm saying? Like He's on he, the back end. Yeah, so no that's kind of, I shouldn't have maybe even brought up the contract situation, maybe phrase it more of like what these guys have to play for, okay. right? So, I mean, Dexter Lawrence, they picked up his fifth year. That's guaranteed, so he's, he's going right, to be. Real quick, because I, I, I know Matt needs to get back upstairs. Yep. Real quick, you mentioned Leonard Williams before Matt. Uh, I told the guys on the show the other day, I think Leonard Williams leads this team in sacks. I think he gets double digits, and I think it's primarily because there will be so many people paying attention to Thibodeau and paying attention to old Jolari on the outside that you're going to see stunts and you're going to see stuff coming from the inside. If they're going to double Thibodeau, if they're going to maybe double Ojolari, maybe, mm-hmm. depending upon how he progresses, Leonard Williams is going to get manned up. I love Leonard Williams in a one-on-one matchup, and I think he will lead this team in sacks this year. Am I crazy or not? I don't think you're crazy at all. Uh, I mean, I do think there is a good chance that one of the two edge rushers, Kayvon or Aziz, could end up leading the team in sacks over Leonard, but I also agree with you that I think Leonard is going to reach double-digit sacks this season with those two guys on the edge, and you also have to keep in mind that Wink's defense he's going to be sending blitzers from all over the field and the opposing offenses are going to know that there's going to be potentially a safety coming a middle linebacker coming a corner and that is going to free Leonard up to have these one-on-one matchups on the interior and as we saw two years ago when he racked up 11 and a half sacks he's going to take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities and more often than not I think he's going to win those win those matchups will all those lead to sacks no but a lot of the times, 
just getting pressure on the quarterback, forcing the quarterback to scramble, throw the ball away, that ends up being just as valuable as a sack. So I do agree with you. I do think Leonard Williams will, not easily, but he will reach double-digit sacks this season, assuming he stays healthy. And I'll say this, Jeff, and I, I know, you know, how many times we sit in the press box together and we're watching plays and we're talking about different things. Regarding the edge rushers, even if the edge rushers don't get there, as guys step up into the front of the pocket to avoid that pocket collapsing from the outside, Leonard Williams is going to be sitting there just staring them in the face and saying, hey, come here, big fella, because I got you. Yeah, so is Dex. You know, I mean, it's just like what I think is going to happen is I, I, I think that I don't know if I don't know if Leonard Williams is going to get double digits. But I feel like all like I feel like Aziz and Kayvon and and Williams, they may all get close to nine to ten each. Rather than have somebody like at 11 or 12 mm-hmm. and then another That's guy fair. at 7 or 6, you know? So, talked about share the wealth. And I feel like the system is more of a share the wealth system than having – because if you go back and look, and we talked about this earlier when Lance and I did a show together with the Ravens, and you go back and look at that defense, you know, they don't have – they never had a guy with double-digit sacks consistently. It was always spread out amongst a lot of different people. So that's kind of what I see going on with this defense with those kind of guys. Wouldn't surprise me if someone, one of them did have double digits, but I think they're all going to be pretty close to double digits. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Matt Sitak from Giants.com. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. You can catch Matt's uh, rotating uh, analysis uh, on Giants.com as they continue with their 22 questions in 20 days and uh, also cover three. And now Dan Salomon's going to crack the whip when he goes back upstairs and forcing him to write more copy. Good to see Matt Sitak. We thank him for his time. Folks, Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets. For more information, you can also catch an opportunity at a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts this year as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Jeff. I want to tap into your memory banks. Oh, boy. What what were the emotions that would run through you? And again, uh, I understand that everybody, depending upon their length of time in the league, feels yeah. differently yeah. about reporting and checking in for the first day of camp where you're going to get weighed, you're going to get your conditioning drills, your sprints, your calisthenics, yeah. all that fun stuff. Uh, what was the first kind of emotion that you used to feel as you had to come into the facility for the first time uh, in the summer. I'll give you. I'll, I'll kind of go. I'll speed it. I'll kind of jump ahead a little bit here and there. My, I remember my first training camp like it was yesterday, because obviously the first training camp for any national, any guy coming out of college and going to the National Football League is very special, right? You, you're very privileged to be in a camp. Um, you know, when I started in 1988, there was over 100 guys in camp. Maybe 120, I think was the number. And you remember this, Paul? There was almost seven weeks of training camp and you know you played four preseason games but you didn't play a preseason game until like two and a half weeks before like after you got into camp correct there were two a days every single day and you know the whole thing so um but my my fondest memory was driving to camp um i had just recently had gotten married um i my first year in the league was 88 i got married in 87 so you know leaving my my 
my new wife back home in Phoenix, and she was working. Uh, I drove. I literally drove. Now, here's the thing. So I went back to school because I was nine credits short from graduating from Miami. So my wife went back to Phoenix, and I stayed in Miami to finish. I took one semester. I took three classes in, 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 uh, my, in summer school to graduate. So thank God I did because I wouldn't have made it back for a while. <laughs> Went on to play for three decades. <laughs> and so so I wouldn't have been back in school for a while. So that was a good good start for me. So that was important. And remember this. I I, I told you these guys this before. I, I never thought I was going to make in the NFL. I, I just thought I got a shot at it and things were going to, you know, maybe work out. But my, my whole purpose was I had to graduate. So I did that, checked that box. And then by going into training camp, I didn't have to worry. But I'll never forget driving from Miami to New England. Um, up the East Coast, stopped in Baltimore, visited one of my fraternity brothers. Uh, on my way to camp, I stopped in Philadelphia and saw the Who. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this was my John up to training camp, you know. Um, but I remember going up to, to Smithfield, Rhode Island, Bryant College. We were familiar with that. Uh, and that was where our first training camp was and walking in there. And I think what a lot of these younger guys who, you know, they're 20s, they're in their 20s, right? They know all the guys that are in the locker room, the veterans, because they follow football. Well, I, I did too. I remember just walking in there with, and looking at Andre Tippett thinking he's a mass murderer. This guy is like, I mean, you couldn't, he looked so mean. He, I didn't even want to make eye contact with this guy. I was scared to death of him. Um, and just seeing guys that you have seen pro football, and it was just a, an amazing. Now, fast forward, probably my 10th year in the league, right? That is when you get a little bit more comfortable with what's going on. And instead of showing up with your eyes popping out of your head, you're showing up with all kinds of stuff that's going in your room. You got the air conditioner with you. You got the, you know, the Burka lounger. You got your Xbox. You got all this stuff you're bringing because you know what's going on in camp now. So that was, uh, it, and that's kind of fun. But I, I do, I do miss, and I don't know how, I don't know how I would do it. But training camp to me was always going away. You, you left, and that was it. Draw the draw the line in the sand, and it's time to go. I'm going up to Albany. When we used to go up there, I used to look forward to driving up the thruway. Could not wait to get to training camp because I knew that this was the start of it, and it's it's focused, Bill. I don't know, Paul. Being at the facility, I know that there's less distractions. Maybe I don't know, but I just I'm a, I'm a training camp guy. So, but the funny thing about it is everybody's different. Some guys show up with the, you know their their dop kit and maybe a one 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 set of clothes. That's it. You know, because you know how it is, Paul. These guys that they're in their they're in their stuff every day. They're practice stuff, so you only need a pair of shorts and, and some flip flops and some shorts. Now, that's when, it. When you came in with the Patriots in uh, way back when in 1905, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Raymond Berry was the coach of the Patriots, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, over the years, you had a number of coaches. You had Holmgren. You had Coughlin. Buddy Ryan. Right, Buddy Ryan. So you you went through a, a whole handful of head coaches. How differently did each one of them handle the reporting to training camp day? Were there some guys mm -hmm. who immediately, when you walked in, they slammed their fist on the table and they wanted to tell you, boy, this is going to be an Army boot camp and mm -hmm. we're going to set the tone immediately? Mm -hmm. Or were there some coaches who kind of eased you well, in a little bit and understood that you were just coming off the shovel. I think you know the answer to that. Every one of them are different. And, you know, as far as the guys that, you know, you are going to put your, your you know, your, your, your fist down on the, on the table was, was Buddy Ryan. Okay. I mean, you better have come in shape. You better have did what you had to do. Um, Buddy was, Buddy was a lot like Coach Johnson, Jimmy Johnson. If he likes you, then you, you're, you're golden. But if he hated you, your life was miserable. But, you know, the only thing you can do to like it, have him like you is just to play and show up and do things right. And, you know, the conditioning test was always the worst. Uh, never for me because I was always in shape. I always trained for them. Um, that, but those, that's probably the most anxiety that people have coming into training camp is the test. Most of the guys, 95% of them pass it. It's just, you know, it's just the anxiety of doing it. And depending on which one it is, I, I mean, I could write the book on conditioning tests, the ones that we did. You know, there's 300-yard shuttles. There's 16 110s. Buddy Ryan made us run an 880, which is a half a mile. Oh, no. Can you imagine? And by the way, you don't just show up for that one, okay? Every guy had a time. So, you know, your position group. Like, mm -hmm. I was always put in with the linebackers and the quarterbacks because and the tight ends. We were kind of like sandwiched in there. But, you know, then you had the receivers and the defensive backs that can run like the wind, and then you had the linemen. So 
they, you have a time in which you got to go train for that because you're it's a dead sprint for two for a half a mile. And by the way, when you make it around the first time, that's all good. Then you make it around that first turn and you're sitting there going, okay, I've got three more turns to make. And man, I'll tell you what, you talk about a, a slew of pianos. You should see how many pianos are on people's backs coming around that last turn to try to make the time. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. It's hard. It's hard. And so that's the biggest that's the biggest anxiety coming into training camp is making that stupid conditioning test. Now, there's guys, there's coaches like Jim Fossil. We never had a conditioning test. Dennis Erickson was one of my coaches up in Seattle. We never had a conditioning test. He just basically said, you guys better be in shape because if you're not in shape, you're going to hurt yourself. You're not going to make the team. So what does it matter to me? So, you know, you come into, but the other guys were, Coughlin always had a, a conditioning test. Um, that one was 10 40-yard dashes. Mm-hmm. And so say that I ran a 5-0, okay, which is probably about right. Uh, they would add five tenths of a second onto that. So I had to make, I had to make, I think it was 10, yeah, 10 40s within 5.5 seconds. And they, and there was only like a 25 or 30 second rest in between each one. So, you know, you're, you're sprinting, you're sprinting the 16, one tens. That's another one that's as hard as heck. You got a 16. For me, it was 17 seconds. I had to run 110 yards in 17 seconds. I had 40 seconds in between, and then I had to do it again. So you got to do 16 of those. Um, that was a hard one. The hardest one I think that any of these guys ever do is a 300-yard shuttle with 25 yards. So you go up 25, come back 25. Go up 25, go back 25. Do that six times. And that is a tough one because you're starting and you're stopping, you're starting and you're stopping, you know. Now, so. Jeff, I, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to embarrass some guys who I've, I've covered over the years. Mm-hmm. But uh, you and I, and, and you don't have to name names either if you don't want to, but I can tell you that I have been out there for conditioning drills over the years mm-hmm. and seen 330-pound linemen mm-hmm. literally collapse in the middle of the drill. Oh, yeah, throw ro- up. Ro- roll over, <laughs> throw up, crawl to the end, <laughs> literally crawl to the end. Yeah. Uh, just <clears throat> flat out tap out and ask for the golf cart. Mm-hmm. I've seen all of these things happen over the course of these training camp drills. And, and, and look, this is my 40th season now. I'm officially starting my 40th season. Congratulations. Of covering, thank you, of covering New York Giants football. So I've seen a ton of it. What What is perhaps the funniest of the failures <laughs> during the training camp conditioning tests that you can recall? And you don't but, have to name names. I won't, no, I, I won't ask you to do I, You that. know what? And I don't, I don't recall anything off the top of my head that was like, but I do, I just, I just remember you brought, you know, you brought back memories of it's, it's, it's never the, it's never the guys that run for a living. Okay. If there's the guys that run for a living that don't make the conditioning test, you're not making the team. I'm sorry. If you're a wide receiver, if you're a defensive back, okay. And you're, you're a running back. Or even a linebacker. These guys that run, that's all they do, right? That's, there's never a problem with that. It's the big fatzos, the, 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 the guys that are just, you know, the big boys who don't move. They, they, they don't get out of their comfort zone within five or ten yards, right? That's all they do. They just kind of sit there and nestle in, and they're just grazing in that little area. Well, they're saying to themselves, why are we running these? No, there's the no place? question. Every I bet you every single one of them are saying, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. What am I running 40 yards for? When am I going to run 40 yards? When? Well, you're never going to unless you're running down the field, making it look like you're trying to catch the guy that's 25 yards ahead of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, So... Those the faxos, you know, those are the guys that got to dive across, and they will. They'll do everything they can. But man, I remember the one. Now that I remember, there's one guy. I'm name is, and it's funny because you're gonna remember this name. When I was in the Philadelphia, the the Eagles drafted Antone Davis out of the University of Tennessee, an offensive lineman. He was yes. a tackle, number one draft pick, 300 and like 40 pounds. They call him Antone, Antone, Anton Davis. He, he weighed a ton, right? Uh, I got you. So. He was a guy that told the offensive lineman. Now, all, the offensive linemen were good friends with me. That's who I hung out with. They told, he told the offensive lineman that he will not play football more than five years. He said, I'm here. I'm a first-round draft pick. I'm going to make my money, and then I'm going to leave. And sure enough, that's what he did. But I remember him running those tests, and he was hurting big time. And the problem is, 
here's the thing you have to worry about as an organization and even as a coach that you know guys get hurt doing these things oh they do and you don't that's that's the crutch right like it's almost like a double-edged sword like you're damned if you da- you, you kind of want to have the conditioning test but you don't want to take the risk of guys getting hurt you're seeing hammies quads everything uh, because cramping all right which yeah it's not an injury yeah. but you know no, all but of a, sudden, a guy goes down and it turns out he's only cramping well, here's the thing, you know, and I was always a big, I was, I always thought the conditioning test should be on the second day because all these guys are traveling, right? They're flying, they're driving, they're probably not drinking enough water and hydrating and then you get here and then you're going to go and run this conditioning test and that's what happens to guys. So I would want to do it the following day where you can monitor the hydration and get these guys ready to go. Uh, the worst thing about the conditioning test, and I remember Coughlin used to do this all the time. Um, Fossil had a, I think, actually, you know what? I take that back. Fossil did have a conditioning test because I remember both of Fossil and Coughlin, if you did not pass the conditioning test, Paul, you ran the whole thing the next day. You had to do the whole thing over. And I remember there was guys that missed out like on that 1040s thing. They ran nine of them, but the 10th one, they were just, you know, maybe a half a second. They had to run the whole thing the next day. 16-110 is the same thing. They only made 15 or 14. You got to run. It's not you just have to run the two. You got to run the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you weren't practicing until you did that. So they made a point that everyone knows that this guy and this guy and this guy are out running the conditioning test because they didn't report in shape. And now they're not practicing because you know where your name goes on the depth chart when that happens? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a piano on your back. Yeah. You got a piano on your back and I just threw you into the Atlantic Ocean. Where do you think you're going on the depth chart? You are sinking back, 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 back. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a good look. And remember, there's a, this is a competition for some guys. They want, they want to win the conditioning test. They want to be first oh, every no single doubt. time. I've, Aeneas, seen, I've seen it. Aeneas Williams. Right. Yeah. Aeneas Williams. Aeneas Williams, when I was with him with the Arizona Cardinals, that guy used to run 40s after practice. He would run circles around people. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. But oh, no, he, no doubt. He was a guy that just, you know, and he would, he would, he would push everybody. Before you know it, there was 10 guys running 40s after practice with him. So that's the kind of leadership you need. Now, one of the things that they do for the reporting day is they, they give the guys the physicals and they, they check mm-hmm. them in and they weigh them in. They prod you. They do now, all that stuff. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Uh, how many guys you think over the course of the last 24 to 36 hours went on, like, water diets <laughs> trying to make sure yeah, they got under their in. weight number? Yeah, you do. Because, now, I would say a majority of them are, are good. You know what I'm saying? And, by the way, that's what the – that's what scares you about the off-season workout program when you're done because you have those five weeks and guys that worked all those, you know, those those weeks in conditioning and getting their weight down, they go away for five weeks and they, you know, what do you do in the summer? You're going to go have fun. You know, you start eating. You have a little bit of drinks here and there. You're not doing the exercises. Next thing you know, you step on a weight and you're like, oh, my God, I'm five pounds and I got three days to get to camp. Absolutely. And by the way, Paul, that's what happens to these guys that cramp up and everything because they, they, they haven't eaten. You know, and they're just like, they're just, they're starving themselves to death. They're not drinking water because it's water weight. And next thing you know, they're dehydrated and they pull their muscles. So I would, you know, it's funny. We never had a conditioning test and I've never seen this done before. But when I was in New England, I didn't, it, the conditioning test there was we got on a bike, we got our heart rate up and then they pricked our finger and they took the blood and they saw, they, they, they could tell it from a test in the blood if you were, if you we were in shape. That's how they did it. Oh, see, I was unaware of that. That, that went on in the back rooms. I, we didn't see yeah. that. We didn't see that outside. So, you know, that was – but nowadays it's uh, – but I'll tell you what. It's an exciting time for everybody. Uh, the veterans, especially the rookies, everybody. And, and how about the guys that get invited to come in? And the bad part about it is what we're seeing is happening today with the Giants is that, you know, there's a lot of moves that are made right before mm-hmm. training camp. And you're – just think if you're one of those guys getting – you're excited to go to training camp and you show up here and they send you home. Right. You know, and, that's, and that's, that's just, tough. That's, that's very tough. They, they had a slew of guys in here yesterday uh, who were working out and trying out. And for some of them, as we've already named, uh, they were able to whittle their way onto the roster. Mm-hmm. For others, they just get put on the short list. Yeah, and that, that short that's list that is... That's that emergency list, you know, yep. in case somebody needs to get a phone call sometime yeah. during the season. And they may not even... They may, they're probably on a lot of people's short list, you know, not just the Giants. They're, they're going through the workout circuit, you know, getting ready to go. Because, like I said earlier, there's guys... You know, this, there's guys that get hurt. There's guys that retire. Remember, remember a few years ago, the offensive linemen, you know, within the first three days of camp, mm-hmm. you lost two of your guys that you brought in here as free agents that were going to be competing for starting positions and backups. Brutal. And next thing you know, you, they retire. So there's all kinds of things that happen. 
all kinds of things. Um, uh, ju- just to go over the roster moves, by the way, and we've already talked extensively earlier in the program about safety Andrew Adams and defensive uh, lineman Nick Williams. Uh, Marcus Kemp, wide receiver, and offensive tackle Kamal Seymour also added to the roster. Guys who have departed, defensive back Henry Black, defensive tackle Jabari Ellis, wide receiver Travis uh, Toivonen, who actually had a very good spring, mm-hmm. and also Maurice uh, Kennedy, a uh, defensive back. He was one of the guys who came up from the Ravens uh, during this offseason. So that kind of takes care of that bookkeeping business. But the other thing to mention, I think, uh, uh, Jeff, many times we've seen this around the league, and I didn't see it so much with the Giants because they didn't have a lot of flamboyant guys coming in over the years. But did you ever have somebody make a very unique entrance? Oh, of course. Camp? Yeah. Yeah, I kind Absolutely. of figured you would have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have uh, we've had, you know, well, I remember Plaxico Burris made a and he made a heck of a entrance one time with this big huge. He had this huge Ford F like nine fifty. You know, they go one fifty, two fifty, three fifty. Oh, this oh thing was yeah. Like in a, terms of vehicles, guys come yeah. in with with the most ridiculous vehicles. That's yeah. true. I talked about maybe like uh, we we've heard of guys helicopter onto the practice field for their mm-hmm. first day. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy stuff like that. Did you ever have anything so out of whack? No that out you of whack. Believe it. Well, this is what I couldn't believe. It it wasn't like anything like that. It was it was aeronautical though um steve grog excuse me uh eason um tony eason tony eason yep tony eason okay and russ francis i know that any of these younger people listening to the show are not gonna know who these people are but paul you do um eason was a quarterback francis was a tight end that's correct they had their pilot license they flew a plane into yes that's how they got to training camp and they actually had their they had their plane at the airport um, you know, I'm not talking about a jet here, guys. I'm talking about, a, you know, like a little, you know what I'm talking about, a single sure, engine, sure. you know, whatever. And uh, they had they, they had the plane at the airport, and on the days off, they used to fly up to Cape Cod for lunch and come back. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you believe it? Now, was that sanctioned? I, I mean, I'm sure, that, sure there wasn't many people that knew about it, but they did it. You know, that's... Uh, that's kind of crazy, but that that's probably the craziest thing I heard of people coming to camp in their own plane. But maybe nowadays, guys, that still happens. Man. You know? Wow. Um, yeah, that that's that's rather extravagant, expensive too, with given the gas prices. Yeah, and I remember I remember <laughs> well, today, when, of course. when when we used to go up to Albany, the there was a a rena center there, and a lot of guys went to the rena center. Well, they went online and they ordered stuff to be delivered. So. When you pulled them to camp, I don't know if you remember, you see all these rent-a-center trucks, and they, people were renting beds, they were renting couches, they were renting chairs, they were renting all this furniture because the stuff that's in the in the dorms up there, there's just college furniture. It's junk, it's uncomfortable, and when you're living up there like we did for a month, you want to have, you know, the comfort of your own home. So people would rent, and I would, we would rent these chairs because, you know, uh, Keel and the Kickers and. Blackburn and all these guys, we all, Diossi, we all kind of had a little quad of our rooms together. We would, we would watch and watch movies at night and we'd play Xbox and we'd play cards. So we want to have our own living room. So we all had our, we rented furniture. <laughs> okay. Hey, not, <laughs> yeah. a, not a bad way to pass the time, right? It's not. No. And that's the great thing about going away for training camp. I thought is the camaraderie. Right. I did ask Dable about that the other day. And I, he said to me, he says, you know what? I would be all for it. The problem is, is that what, you know, the players are so used to coming out of college nowadays and then they come into the pros the facilities, the way that the things are there. You can't replicate that when you go to a place like Albany. You don't have the same setup of everything. No. So it's almost going like back in time and it doesn't work for some people because, you know, it's just it's not it's not like old school like it used to be. So that's part of the problem with going away somewhere. Sure. Now, some teams still do it. But I think you know they take the they take Not the too time. Many anymore, Jeff. They don't. But you know, Very well, the few. Bills do. I asked him. I said, "Where yeah. did you guys go?" And he says, "We go." But he says the reason we did it was because the university that we went to they outfitted it. It's that type of you know they have that type of facility right. that we can go to. I don't think Albany has that where they would feel comfortable no. with it. No. All right, uh, that about wraps things up for today. Just a reminder: the Giants' first training camp practice, even though guys reported today is tomorrow, that's Wednesday, July 27th, 10 a.m. New York time. It'll be an hour and a half's worth of practice. 
Uh, fans, if you've got your practice uh, schedule or your camp t- tickets uh, available, or through, they were available for free through the Giants website. Mm-hmm. If you have them, we certainly invite you to come out and enjoy uh, the usual training camp facilities that were set up several years ago here at the Meadowlands are once again set up here at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. So the bleachers are located outside the fence, right along the practice field. Mm-hmm. There are awnings and canopies over the bleachers, so you do have some shade. There are also um, similar uh, setups behind one of the end zones as well. Uh, and we certainly invite all the fans to come out and participate. Uh, again, if you have, have your free practice tickets, come on out, have a good time, uh, take pictures, enjoy watching the Giants. There will be all kinds of festivities coming up here. And then, of course, the Giants Fan Fest and their blue and white scrimmage. That's that's a real big one. That's coming up on Friday, August 5th. Uh, that goes from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at MetLife Stadium. That's perhaps the, the flagship practice of the training camp for the fans and we certainly hope everybody uh, is able to participate and enjoy but for now jeff uh that'll do it and we'll talk again this week sounds good paul thank you folks that'll do it for this edition of big blue kickoff live you can catch this podcast and all of our giants podcast programs through the archive at giants.com slash podcasts and your favorite podcast platforms everywhere for Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll talk to you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.